Welcome to Wisdom Talk Radio, a collaborative community of explorers in conscious living. What if you could dissolve a stuck feeling or a traumatic memory with ease? And that you could then live a, a life that's more full and graceful. Wouldn't that get your attention? Well then, stay tuned for today's guest, Dr. Deb Sandella. Hi, I'm Laurie Seymour, host of Wisdom Talk Radio, founder of the Baca Journey, and illuminator, mentor, and guide for those who are on the cusp of their next step, personally, professionally, spiritually. You want to know how to connect with the answers that await you when you go inside, because these are the answers that unlock who you truly are. Dr. Deb Sandella is author of the number one international bestseller, Goodbye Hurt and Pain, Seven Simple Steps to Health, Love, and Success. She is an award-winning psychotherapist, university professor, and the originator of the groundbreaking RIM method, which is a heavily backed neuroscience tool proven to reduce stress and improve quality of life. She frequently shares the stage with Jack Canfield and is co-author of their Awakening Power Meditation Program. I am very excited to have my dear friend, Dr. Deb Sandella, with me today. We have played together in so many different ways and for such a long time. And Deb, this is the first time that you've been on Wisdom Talk Radio, and I'm delighted to have you here. Welcome. Oh, thank you, Lori. I'm very excited, too. So some people on, you know, in our listening audience may not have heard of RIM, Regenerating Images in Memory. Hmm, where do we start? Because <laughs> I, I knew about it even before it was called that. <laughs> right, exactly. That's it. You've been in on this for a very long time. <laughs> quite a contributor, too, to my development. So I'm grateful for that. Hmm. So, so where would you begin with explaining to our listening audience what is it and what does it do? So if it's okay, I think I would want to say that for my first 20 years, I was a tr traditional mental health professional. Mm -hmm. And so at a certain point, I got over 20 years, I got burned out and began exploring uh, what could be easier, uh, particularly after I was in Australia and had time off. I had my own personal mm -hmm. walkabout for almost a year. And what showed up is that I could really pay attention to clients, sit with people, and have them start to show me what really works. And so I had to set aside everything that I thought I knew and everything I thought I didn't know, what I thought was possible, what I thought was impossible. And actually, it's just been the greatest uh, joyful trip to understand that we have abilities within us that are part of our organic emotional system that are very effective in healing emotions, healing trauma, and really helping us keep moving forward in a very um, 
uplifting way, but we haven't known how to do it. So REM is about that. So that's what I've been over the last 20 years. Mm -hmm. That's what I've been uncovering is the, the ways to actually do that and in a way that actually can be taught to others. So it's not, it's not just me. It's not an intuitive, although intuition comes in, uh, for the client and the facilitator, it's actually, there's a process. Um, it's a nonlinear process, but there are ways to actually unlock our inherent resources. And, and I, I love that. I love that it, a, it's, it is unlocking our inherent resources. You know, I, so with that, and that it's something that you can teach, mm -hmm. that you can train other people. And I know you do, you have a big training program. Mm -hmm. um, so, so give us a feeling for what that might look like. So that it is a closed eye verbal process so uh, that you're in a meditative state. You get to relax. The client gets to relax into a meditative state and then is guided by the facilitator to just keep going deeper into body awareness. And then we call on imagination as the interpreter. So that what happens is emotion originates in the nonverbal part of the brain. Mm -hmm. And so the mind, the intellectual mind cannot feel. It can trans, you know, it can, it can speak, it can uh, have verbal language, it can uh, measure, it can analyze, all of those, it quantifies. Mm -hmm. It's the administrator. But that's not where emotion originates. So that when you use intellect to affect emotion, you're actually overriding the organic part of the brain. Uh, and you're just retraining the way you intellectually think about things and you reframe it. So that's cognitive behavioral therapy that is very popular and it has great value. Uh, it, however, only taps the intellectual mind and it doesn't actually access where the emotional pain originated uh, in the part of the brain that is spontaneous and mm -hmm. controllable by us. Like, uh, like we can't make mm -hmm. our, well, some people probably can, but things <laughs> like, uh, like your heartbeat, to change your heartbeat, that kind of thing. That's the part mm -hmm. of the brain uh, where fear originates and emotion and trauma uh, are hanging out, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so and especially the memories of that. Right. Exactly. The memories. Mm -hmm. And so emotional memory, we now understand through neuroscience is actually um, can be unlocked and it becomes uh, at that point, it kind of reminds me of like when you are have your cell phone uh, mm -hmm. on the surface and you have all of the little icons. And when you press on one, it starts to jiggle. All of them start to jiggle. So you've unlocked the screen. Now you can delete, move those icons mm -hmm. around and then mm -hmm. save it. So it becomes locked in again. That's exactly what regenerating images and memory does. The one thing that is different is that we're relying on imagination to tell us what to press on. <laughs> huh. <clears throat> so that does, is that the place where, where intuition comes in or is it even not quite that? Yeah, no, I'd say it's more multisensory. It's, it's mm -hmm. more unlocked through the body sensations, uh, you know, 
inner awareness physically with the body. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that we, in REM, we start to give emotion form. So imagination mm-hmm. starts to give emotion form. So the left brain's very scared of emotion because it's not me- we think it's not measurable, that it's invisible, it can't be controlled, it's not predictive. And so it, it, you know that lack of control scares mm-hmm. people. needless to say we like control and uh, so what happens in REM we learn how to exercise control with emotion because we're allowing emotion to start to take form through body awareness and also so like the degree of pain somebody's having uh, can increase or reduce Uh, you know when somebody is angry let's say because anger is what is the big thing that I was (laughs) People are working with these days, and, uh, so I see a lot of that. And so when anger is not just this invisible out there all over the place, and it becomes a sense of a red volcano in your pit of your stomach, <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, the left brain says, oh, I can help you with this. You know, I'll join with you as a partner, and then we can start going into that energy of the red volcano mm-hmm. and uh, work with that in a totally different way. And so the, the, the feeling I have as you're talking about that is it becomes not only something a little more controllable, but relatable to, relatable with. And, you know, and, and I'm thinking about it also the way I teach people about how to pay attention to their inner sensory experience in relationship to their own inner guidance. Right. Right. So I feel like there's, there's direct parallels there. Oh, absolutely. Yes. I think, I think there's, uh, there's no surprise that over the years, (laughs) I think our work has, uh, has resonated Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. a lot together and which, yeah, which makes it really fun to come and do Terea with you. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, yeah, it's just it's such an interesting thing because we are so afraid of anything that we can't touch or control or, you know, or measure. And these things aren't controllable, measurable, not, not in the way that science to date has. But there, there's some way that some reason that it become, is so effective at making the changes without without struggle. And that's one of the things I'm so struck with. Yes, that's exactly right. Because what I have learned, so I didn't know this. Uh, they didn't teach me this in graduate school. Mm-hmm. I had a lot of years of it. Um, <laughs> that uh, when we start actually following the inner body awareness, and allowing imagination to start giving it words and form, mm-hmm. that the psyche just automatically starts to take us deeper to the place that is the root or the source of, of what our uh, issue is or what we're wanting assistance with. Mm-hmm. Very non-intellectual, non-linear process. So the mind is not the leader. So the we could say the heart or that part of us, the emotional, creative part of our nervous system, mm-hmm. is leading 
And then the mind is the administrator that says, well, I'll help you by giving it words and understanding and meaning. So you get, uh, so the nonverbal emotional part of the mind, of the brain is um, symbolic. So mm -hmm. it does great with images, metaphors, feeling. Mm -hmm. And then, like you just said, it's translatable to an understanding. Yeah. It's, it sounds like uh, you're really using the imagery to build a bridge, a bridge between that, that which had been locked away and that which can be transformative. Absolutely. Yes, because the journey is from what's unknown mm -hmm. to uh, known. So as soon as you get some awareness, some insight, now it's like, well, it doesn't seem so hard to deal with it. Even trauma. What I find is people who have actually had very traumatic backgrounds will go back sometimes, many times actually, to memories that are actually innocuous, but they were earlier. Oh. And so very, very young uh -huh. um, experience where they, you know, all of a sudden develop a uh, decision or a belief about the world or about themselves that then leaves them more vulnerable to some things happening later. Mm -hmm. So that, you know, the way I think about it, the way I write about it is it's like a, has a magnetic attraction. Like when we have some stuck emotion that with a lot of intensity, angst or pain or all of that, a charge. And then over time, it just goes, it just seeps down into the unconscious, no longer visible. Mm -hmm. Kind of like screensaver. You know, you no longer see what's on your screensaver. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. So uh, invisible at this point. Yeah. In time. Yeah. And that as it settles down there, then we forget what's there and yet it has a magnetic charge to attract similar similar situation mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. psychology we used to call it as from a psychological perspective was uh what was it repetition formation Something. Mm -hmm. I remember it back from those days. And what the people who talk about um, law of attraction would, you know, would, would speak about this very same thing. Right. In that we, we have something that is attracting the same pattern over and over and over again. Exactly. exactly. And we know that from the research in terms mm -hmm. of those experiences. Mm -hmm. Showing up, you know, again and again. So the good news, what we've learned with REM or regenerating images and memory, is that when you actually dissolve, diffuse mm -hmm. that stuck emotion, then now it just becomes integrated as insight and greater self-awareness and wisdom. And then it, it has the ability to attract that. Mm -hmm. um, you know, different experience. So it's very preventative uh, about future experiences, not attracting those same old, same old kind of uh, hurtful and painful experiences. Mm -hmm. So that's huge. That's really huge. That's, that's the nature of change. You know, I mean, that is the nature of transformation, re real transformation. It's transformation right. that, that actually lasts. Yes. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So in your book, you say that 
we are both humanity, like in the physical, and presence, uh, that um, certainly spiritual or nonlinear or beyond the personal aspect. Mm-hmm. How do these? How does these? How do these two things? I'll put it that way. Show up in rim sessions, right? Well, we're actually weaving back and forth between the two, mm-hmm. and that through the humanity, uh, because it's our humanity where our pain is and our our hurt and our vulnerability. Uh, that, like for instance, um, in our humanity is that which is scary uh you know it's not that's not a spiritual concept Mm -hmm. that's really where the things that we have where we have fear it's through Mm -hmm. our humanity that we have the fear through the body as long Mm -hmm. as we have the body you know i guess we'll probably always have some of that um and that presence in regenerating images and memory is brought forth through we could call virtual resources to be with us in that journey of dissolving old experience that has been stuck or old painful memories. Mm-hmm. So what we're doing, that's where the safety comes. So the body holds the fear mm-hmm. and presence holds the safety, the ultimate safety mm-hmm. what we could call peace, love, and joy, which I think of more as states of awareness that we're born with naturally. And then, you know, as soon as the infant, you look in a newborn infant's eyes and you see the presence and that perfection of life itself and its purity. And then the baby's wet and is hungry and cries. There's <laughs> And so it is soon as we really uh, take care of the pain and the, you know, like for the baby, just like the baby, when we take care of meeting the baby's needs physically, that humanity part, then it then we naturally remember mm-hmm. that yeah. we are and that we're born with. So yeah. we are as adults, we have these ingrained patterns, the, the either these memories that have you know, formed and coalesced around something or just simply the, you know, the patterns that we've created out of living life, it's not so easy always to remember or to acknowledge or to feel that presence aspect of ourselves. Absolutely. So I would say the primary principle of, of REM is that we're born with this presence of wholeness mm-hmm. that's always there. And then we have all these layers of emotional memory, which is experience, that gather kind of like dust on the furniture, you know, throughout mm-hmm. our lives. And that sometimes we get confused and think that dust is us, who we are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Rather, emotional memory that's laid on top and that it is changeable. It can yeah. be... Uh, you know, removed and dissolved Mm -hmm. so that we automatically, when we do that, we touch back in to the feeling of wholeness Mm -hmm. and we remember that and that becomes more and more of a pattern so that having a way to easily do that when there's actually things we don't know Mm -hmm. Kind of like the princess in the pea, you know, when there was the pea under all the layers of the mattress. You know, she didn't know what was down under the mattress. But she knew something was wrong. 
Yes, exactly. And it was that restlessness. She couldn't sleep. Yeah. There was restlessness. Mm -hmm. and, no, and what happened was all the layers to distance from the pee with layers did not do any good. And that's true in our emotional life. Like we can start creating distractions. We can start creating ways to disassociate, ways to really move away, to turn off emotion. But it does not go away. And you still feel the discomfort, except now we no longer know what it is because <laughs> we're so removed of it. So we actually lose control at that point when we do that. Because so for those people who don't like to lose control, yes, in fact, <laughs> the thing that you are so afraid of right. is what's happening. That's exactly right. Yeah. That's exactly right. So the good news is that in REM, that every session, we do a complete piece of work. So you actually see whatever gets opened up gets really worked with. And you come out the other end for that particular piece of work. Mm. So that you get to start changing your belief system and your memory uh, so that we don't have to be afraid. Mm -hmm. uh, we don't have to be afraid of going into emotion and allowing emotion. Because mm -hmm. that's such a huge issue in our culture. It is. It is. Talk a little bit about what you just said. You said it, it, it changes our belief system. Mm -hmm. Well, the belief that emotion uh, if we, this is what I see all the time, and I can remember feeling it at a certain point in my life, where if I allow myself to be angry, the anger will grow, and then I'll be out of control, and I'll be a bad person and an angry person, and I'll become the emotion. Mm -hmm. And actually, what is accurate is the opposite. So that I think about it as an emotional river, like emotion is constantly flowing through us, through the body, and then also a subjective experience at the same time. It's called interoception. And, um, but we're not necessarily aware of it. That's happening whether we're conscious of it or unconscious about it. And so when emotion is flowing through, it's supposed to be received, used for information, data, feedback coming in, just like the body ch checks whether it's cold, I need a coat or not, or do I have a temperature? It's the same thing emotionally. It's supposed to come through, bring us information, and then just dissolve or expire. But what happens is when we resist <laughs> it's like creating a dam in that river. And now all of the awful feelings, the terrible feelings we don't like that we want to, you know, we're trying to get rid of, they're now stuck in those emotional waters that are being held by the dam. Mm -hmm. So now they're not moving on. They're with us. They stay with us. Un un and it's unnecessary. So when that gets freed up, what have you been seeing happening with people's belief systems? So when, uh, like in RIM, we create floodgates. So that pressure starts to, all of that emotion that we're scared of can be released in a safe way. So nobody mm -hmm. gets flooded and nobody down below gets flooded outside around us, you know. So what happens is people start to believe it's safe to have your feelings, that they're really just a feedback system. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's just a feedback system for, for us, and it's part of the way we stay safe. Because if we ignore all of that, we will miss clues or cues 
that either something happening within us or around us could be harmful and uh, we or helpful also mm -hmm. all of it mm -hmm. the whole range so that we start to feel emotionally safe in life to be ourselves yes yes which is of course what we all want <laughs> we all <laughs> But, you know, it's like uh, I have been more and more aware of it because I have been so worried. You know, I shouldn't say worried. I've been really wanting to work more and more with kids in schools because they're at such great risk. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Shooting in a, a junior high in Colorado. And, mm -hmm. and so over the last year, I have been working some with teachers and some students and administration. And it's like... That's where we really have to start. Yeah. Uh, that kids are coming in already feeling like they can't have their feelings. Mm -hmm. That they shouldn't feel angry. And, but they're just really angry. <laughs> yeah, and they're scared and they're all kinds of ways. Right. And so you're really wanting to address this at a much earlier right. level of, of our society's um, malcreations. Absolutely. Yes. Because wow. that I see as very critical. Uh, because now you start to have emotional health and mm -hmm. greater self-awareness, which is essential to emotional intelligence, which we know relates more to success than our intellectual intelligence. So um, it's, uh, yeah, it's really, it's really my mission now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Really change the way we see ourselves as emotional beings. Mm -hmm. And then I, I know that, that, um, that your book, you've written several, but the, this latest one, The Goodbye, Hurt, and Pain, has a lot in there about how you can do this for yourself, how you can use RIM to change things for yourself. Exactly. How does that work? How does that happen? Well, in the beginning, how I learned that was possible is some people who had sessions went off and they said, when they came back or I talked to them again, they said, oh, I did that for myself now <laughs> this time. And it was like, great. <laughs> you know, I mean, I just love that. Uh, after leaving psychotherapy, it was like, I want, I don't want to be the doer for the person. Yeah. You don't want to be seeing them for the next five years. And yeah, exactly. unless they're in training. <laughs> right, right. Exactly. That's exactly right. So yes, it is really just tapping into using our own emotional system so that we ourselves, when we have a question or an issue or some discomfort, we can actually close our eyes, you know, pay attention to our breath because that's an autonomic uh, function. Mm -hmm. So it's in the same part of the brain where fear originates, anxiety originates. So when you focus on your breathing, you actually start tapping into that part of the brain. So all of a sudden, when we do that, we're starting to shift from left brain thinking direction analysis to right brain sensing mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. healing and uh, being able to then follow internally and the, just following our own experiences and going with them and naming them just by being noticing the body. Mm -hmm. in and around the body and it just takes us deeper and deeper it becomes very compelling all of a sudden there's inner you know experience that's very compelling and then um and then we can have we'll have our virtual resource and you can always ask your virtual resource for whatever you want mm -hmm. and then 
time. So um, then we can ask for, like through the book, there's actually activities where I show you how to go find the source of the first time you felt this, first time this mm -hmm. issue came up, or whom you need to speak to. But these are not intellectual pursuits. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like allowing your imagination as a translator of the subconscious or unconscious to show you uh, what you don't know. Yes, yes. It's always like, wow. Yeah, it's like, aha, wow. So people are, are most often very surprised about who or what shows up. I, I know in my work, both um, in meditation work I do, in the Torea Touch work I do, but in, really in all of it, it's the same thing of tapping into those inner resources. And people, I notice this in my meditation classes, that people especially who have meditated for a long time, don't value as much their their sensory level experiences and for me because I'm working with energy and because I'm working with energy even during the time of meditation there's a lot going on in the sensory experience in the body and that for me is how we tap into mm, it's how we tap into our, our guidance how we tap into our next steps how we tap into the ways in which energy is working with us. So it's a, it's a curious thing when people want to move away from that and want to either intellectualize something or, or create some special insight when there's this, this whole rich system to be decoded. Right. I, I see the same thing. So I know just what you're talking about. Uh, people that have been doing very deep meditation for a long time um, that they're they're uh, trained to go to that place of as close as possible to no thought mm -hmm. and uh, however in REM we're actually starting out with thought and then dipping in between thought and coming back so it's like mm -hmm. dipping into this pond of resources that are unconscious and then bringing back up to the thinking mind and then going back down it's like fishing and, <laughs> and so it's very informed and very specific so that you can actually address very specific issues now the way they get addressed may be non-linear it may exactly. like for instance there's this story in fact it's in the book and it wasn't it was one of my students who after she's now a graduate, but she was doing a session with a young man who was a filmmaker who was having trouble expanding his business because he didn't delegate. <laughs> and he didn't, you know, he was young in his 20s and was very talented, but he had to control everything in the company, so it wasn't expanding. And um, so in his rim process, when she was facilitating him, he, he – his imagination brings up a memory of being six years old mm -hmm. and he, he didn't really consciously remember this until it showed up. And then it's like, Oh, and he was six mm -hmm. years old going fishing with his mom and dad. And his dad had a brand new fishing rod that was very expensive. And the six year old drops it in the river. 
Oh, it's gone. His dad is furious and his dad says, I just have to do everything myself. And, uh, you know, gets really mad at the six year old. So the six year old is now just, you know, six is still very innocent. Mm -hmm. We soak those things up as when we're that young and vulnerable and innocent. So he soaked that up and he was just feeling so hurt. And in this, uh, then he gets to talk to his dad. Now, his dad did later apologize, but they didn't have a conversation about it. So the little boy didn't really get to express how he was feeling. So in this conversation, you know, uh, she facilitated a dialogue between the little boy and the dad that is safe. Mm Mm-hmm. And the little boy gets to say, that really hurt my feelings Mm. and uh, made me feel bad and made me feel like I was a bad kid. And, you know, he got to express all of those things without having any, um, you know, results, any, um, can't think of Consequence, consequences. Yes, absolutely. So it could be totally neutrally hurt Mm -hmm. and released. And so then he, the little boy could feel close to his dad again. So by the end, so the end of this session, she said, um, the, the facility, the room facilitator said by the end of the session, he said, well, I don't know how this relates to delegating, but I sure feel loved up more than I ever have ever in my life before. (laughs) And so uh, like about a month or so later, she gets a call from the referral source that said, I don't know what you did to him, but he's like totally different that he now has a girlfriend and because he wants to go be able to have his girlfriend and play, he's actually delegating. And so his business has just taken off. He's got all these new projects that have just come in. And so, so the mind doesn't necessarily see where the outcome is going to be in the area the intention was, where mm-hmm. the problem was. Mm-hmm. But the subconscious, the unconscious is always working on behalf of that. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I love that story because we think of, you know, in the old days, in our old therapy days, the unconscious is the, you know, the source of trouble, really. Monsters in the closet. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. You know, who's under the bed? And really, it's, I, I think of it even beyond the unconscious. I think of it as the unconscious, the super conscious, that which is not within our conscious control or awareness. Absolutely. And it's those aspects of us that are connected with all that is. Right. That and that's what you're tapping into. Know. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. The mind doesn't know. doesn't have a clue. <laughs> the mind as a teacher of mine used to say that our little peanut brain just can't yeah. get it. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly right. Yeah, because the you know that's where the ego is, and the ego uh, thinks it knows, even when it doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> For all of us. <laughs> and and you and I both have such strong um, thinking abilities, so it's yeah. not. You're giving that up. I guess I want to say that because I acknowledge that. I certainly acknowledge that in me, and I, I kind of know that about you. And you, know, you, you are certainly highly educated. You know, you have a, a way of being able to articulate things and form things, and you're willing to say, okay, that only can go so far. Yes. Yes. Well, and I think that uh, that I was born very right brain dominant. Mm. However, all my education 
Yeah, I needed a whole lot of it, let me tell you, in order to balance so I could become whole brain. Mm -hmm. uh, so that there's an intermingling of both sides. Mm -hmm. uh, so that for us right brain people, it's very important to bring in our left brain as an administrator or we become a puddle on the floor. <laughs> and then for people who are starting with greater intellectual uh, ability focus, then, then for them it's an exploring of their right creative mm -hmm. uh, you know, parts of their brain and their sensing, feeling, creating. Mm -hmm. So, and I have students that are both. Yes. Yes. They can be dominant either way. So mm -hmm. we're always looking for the whole brain. <laughs> Just like you are. And I think even beyond that, you're looking for the whole being because it's not just the brain. Right. You know, the mind, I, I always like to think about the mind being in the cell. And really, it's that whole system. Right. Are. Absolutely. And that, you know, the science is moving more and more in that direction. Eventually, mm -hmm. that will be common knowledge. <laughs> We're just not quite there yet. I mean, yeah, it's getting there. It's getting there, at least amongst the people we know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> well, you touched on this already, and I, I don't know. I just want to invite you if there's something else you'd like to speak to about this, which is how do you see RIM fitting into these very mm, difficult or chaotic or challenging times? And, you know, where we're being called to go to rise, not to say above, but rise to a different way of responding to things. Right. Well, what has happened is all of the emotional, uh, like the divisiveness that's happening in our culture at the moment really triggers everybody's core issues. Mm -hmm. So uh, what is happening as those core issues are triggered, really that means we've opened a portal to be able to regenerate uh, whatever's at the root of our core issues mm -hmm. and the biggest, deepest work of healing work that we've ever done in our lives. So that's the opportunity part of it. Um, the part about REM is that because it does that so quickly, Mm -hmm. And effectively, that I'm feeling very, very, uh, I don't want to say pressure, but I'm feeling a lot of urgency mm -hmm. to, for it to be known, mm -hmm. for to keep stretching into taking out in new, bigger ways mm -hmm. so that it becomes a resource for more and more people. Because it's really, you know, RIM is just a tool. Right. Right. <laughs> we are the resource. Exactly. <laughs> You know, so it's just a tool to access our inner resourcefulness, our inner greatness, our our inner humanity that keeps us love. You know, allows us to have a, a good physical life too. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. All of it, and so um, I feel like it is a technique or a tool that was designed for these times. So when I started, it was like you know I didn't realize what it was. Uh, you know, and but it all I just kept following mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. about how it was supposed to how it was naturally unfolding as I was with people, yes. And uh, so, but now it's like, oh, it is just so right for these times because we want things that are quick mm -hmm. and effective and um, in, you know, whole brain that help us feel better and think better. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we want to elevate all of that. 
thank you for your willingness to follow, to, you know, to see, okay, I'm going to set everything aside, just what, the way you spoke about that. And I don't think I've ever known that really. And just to see what, what is being called for, you know, what is being called for by, by the clients, what is being called for in the work, what is being called for, for humanity at this time. Thank, thank, thank you, Deborah. Thank you, Deborah Sandella. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Lori. Um, is there anything that you want to leave our listeners with before we close? Uh, I think the main thing is that it's simple. You know, like what we're being called to right now, and RIM is the epitome of that, is simple, mm-hmm. organic. And uh, so in the same way, our interest in nutrition and physical exercise and all of that is more natural and organic, what we, uh, where we are at this point emotionally is calling for the same. Mm-hmm. Really being able to appreciate uh, our inner abilities and develop them. It's just, we just haven't known. We haven't known how. And so um, to just keep tuning in uh, and going, you know, really following that thread in your in your body, in your um, feeling, in your sensing, and uh, allowing it to be okay. Because when you sit in things, like be, you know, being willing to go into emotion. So when we have an emotion, and we sense it, and then we sit in it, it automatically dissolves. But we have to we have to be willing to do that to learn it. Yeah, and to do it consciously. Yes, to do it consciously. It's time. Yes, it's time. I think that's, that's what I'd love to, to leave our listeners with. It's time. You know, it's time for us to do what we need to do. Absolutely, and we can. We've got everything we need. We do, we do, and it's all there inside of us. Right. Thank you for bringing this to us today, Deb. I, I so appreciate it, and I so appreciate you. Thank you, Lori. I totally appreciate you, and thank you so much for having me. This was was so much fun to be with you. Indeed, indeed. And thanks to our listeners for being with us today at Wisdom Talk Radio. You know you can join us here regularly for more wisdom, discovery, and illumination of your journey. Also, know that you can find us on iTunes and Podbean and Spotify, Google, TuneIn, and more. Leave us a review while you're uh, listening. And for even more illumination and inspiration for your journey, find me, Laurie Seymour, over at thebacajourney.com. That's Baca, B-A-C-A, thebacajourney.com. And we'll see you next time. Thanks for joining us here at Wisdom Talk Radio. We wish you well in your conscious explorations. For more information and to join in the conversation, our website is wisdomtalkradio.com or at Wisdom Talk Radio on Facebook.